Hey, what's up, everyone? My name's Zach Olinger. In this podcast series, I talk about relationships. Now, I know, as a man, you may not want to talk about relationships. Or you may even tell me that the relationship that you're in is already pretty good. But I'm going to invite you to consider this. Could you be a little bit more fulfilled in the relationship that you have? I would like to have you consider that there may be other ways to kind of see the conflicts that are truly just unnecessary that we all experience in a different light. And if you're open to receiving or just giving me a little bit of your time, then I look forward to my guests and I inspiring you to become a man that can have more freedom, less conflict, and more pleasure in their relationships. Thanks for joining me. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me on another episode of The Real Zach Olinger. Today, my guest is Talisha Delmar, and she's been married for 20 years and works specifically with wives um, with the DNA of a happy wife is the is the name of her, uh, how do I want to say, just the special sauce <laughs> where she helps women, wives specifically, reduce conflict um, and within their marriage, have better sex, and just have a better married life. Uh, we were talking before uh, the recording, and um, all of us that have been married or are married uh, has definitely experienced different conflicts, and I'm totally excited to hear what she has to has to say on this topic. Um, so, Talisha, thank you for joining me today and being my guest, and I'll just hand it off to you, and however you'd like to start would be great. Oh, awesome. Well, first of all, thank you, Zach, for inviting me here. I'm so excited to be a part of your listening audience. And hopefully, you know, everyone will take away something that will help them in their married life. Um, my name is Talisha Delmar. I am the wives confidant, and I teach wives how to move mountains in their marriage. So there's less conflict, better sex, and more affection. And so I just feel that um, we need to be able to talk about things so that we can overcome and really demonstrate how we can be happy in our marriages. So many people are in marriages where they're not happy, they're just coexisting. And so I say, no, marriage is supposed to be thriving. You're supposed to be excited about the partner that you've committed with for the rest of your life. And so I'm here to help those who are not in the place where they want to be and help them reach their marriage goals. Awesome. Thanks for that. I, I forgot about the confidant part. I apologize about that, but that's totally true that we, um, like you, like you were saying before, there's just parts of our marriages that we don't like to bring out into the public. Um, I don't, I don't know if anybody, or if you've seen, uh, the uh, movie American beauty, um, but there's a line from that movie that I just absolutely love where he's like, our marriage is like a commercial to like show that every, that it's great, you know, when it's anything, but, you know, something mm-hmm. like that. And I was like, yep. I, when I was married, that's what that was like <laughs> on the outside. It looked pretty good. The way we appeared to other people looked pretty good in the home. There was definitely thin things that weren't so awesome. Like, <laughs> so having a confidant. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right, Zach. I, you know, I have known couples, you know, and and they they, they would go to church, they're in the car together and they're smiling and the husband gets out and opens up the door for the wife and let them in. And then you realize when they go home, they go their separate ways. They're not even talking to each other. And I think over the years, now that we have social media, everybody looks good on social media. Everybody looks happy. And I always like to remind people that, you know, you just have to take that with a grain of salt because obviously people are not, you know, advertising and and promoting their their sticky situations, right? Their dark days, which we don't expect them to do, 
But sometimes when we see everybody else looking happy, when we start to experience a little bit of dark days in our respective homes, then we think it's something wrong with us in our relationship. And in reality, everyone experiences those ups and downs. And so, I, you know, I wanted to make sure I created a platform where people were in a judgment-free, safe space to kind of share what's going on so they can get the real help that they need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's definitely important to create like a, a safe container for that kind of stuff because it, it's a it's a it's, it's vulnerability, right? I mean, like we don't like to talk about that kind of stuff because we might, like you said, we might be taking it personally. Is it something about me? Is it something about our marriage? Like, is it something between us? And it's just, you know, anything that that kind of seems like a detraction or like something that seems to maybe make us feel like less than like, yeah, we don't, at least I don't like to talk about it either. It's uncomfortable. We'll put it that way. So having a, a safe place, uh, sorry, a safe place to explore that's um, absolutely necessary. Yeah. Yeah. No. And Zach, you, 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 you hit the nail on the head because that that's what happens off the time. And I think, you know, when you get into the space and you start to normalize the ups and downs, Mm-hmm. then people can say, Phew, I thought it was just me and my mess. And it's like, no, like everybody has that, right? And so when we start to realize that we can relate to this person and that person and this person, and you're in a community of other like-minded people, then you start to feel a little bit more safe. And just like you said, you know, that marital situation can be very vulnerable, right? And who wants to share their dirty laundry, so to speak? And so this is not necessarily, you know, encouraging to, to, to pretty much blast all your business in the street, but what it does is that it makes you comfortable if you so choose to, right? Because that's the key. Like I'm not requiring everyone to air their dirty laundry, but I want to create that space in that environment so people are comfortable in doing so. Mm-hmm. And then the other piece of that is just, seeing that you're not all alone, right? Right. That you can relate. Oh, okay. I saw Johnny. Johnny feels the same way. I saw Susie. Susie felt the same way. So then we start to normalize it. And so we don't feel like an outcast and something is wrong with us in our marriage. Because that's the thing. I don't want people to feel like there's something wrong with you and your marriage and everybody else is looking great on social media. That is not the case at all. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's the whole point of this. I, I used to say, you know, many years ago, you know, my husband and I, we struggled in our marriage. Um, and, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm i going to date myself a little bit, but, you know, I grew up on the Cosby show. And if, if you, any of your listeners, they may be too young to know this, but the Cosby show at that moment, you had Claire and Cliff, right? Husband and wife, and they got along. They really didn't have any fights. And when they had a sticky situation, it was resolved without any fussing and cussing and caring on all that dramatics, right? They didn't have all that. And so literally when I literally was glued to that TV show for so many years, I just felt, okay, when I get married, we're going to be like that. And my husband and I, when we got married, I was looking at him and I was like, you are no Cliff. And he's looking at me like, you're no Claire. Like, and we were like, okay, what is going on here? And so we had to come to grips of realizing that, okay, married life is way more involved than we thought. And so we really, um, we really had to put our marriage back on track because there was a point where we, we really talked about getting a divorce and throwing in the towel because we just were not, we were just at odds over so many different things, right? And so we had that conflict. And I like to remind wives, the mere fact of having conflict is not the bad thing. 
like we we should expect a level of conflict because you are individual people, right? Now, yes, you've come together to be a unit, but you're still individual indiv individual people with your own perspectives, your own roles and values, your own influences that have shaped the way you think. And so just to have an opposing view, which is really what all conflict is, that in of itself should not be scary. Mm -hmm. What becomes scary though is when we can't work through the conflict. And so now all of a sudden we become disrespectful towards one another, right? We're calling each other out of names. We're going into silent treatment. We're yelling, right? And we're starting to, okay, well, you hurt me. Now I'm gonna hurt you. Like it's those things and how we react to the conflict that really can derail a relationship. And so we have to learn how to work through the conflict, but the conflict in and of itself is not the bad thing. So, and that's what it's about. It's like giving you the tools to be able to do that. And unfortunately, you know, you have to get a license to become a real estate agent. You have to get a license to become a beautician and, and things of that nature, but there's no real license to get married. But yet you're expected to live decades upon decades with someone and if you haven't been given the tools man you can life can be so much harder and so my goal is to make life a little bit easier so that you're not so quick to give up on your marriage as we almost did and throw in the towel when greater is better you just have to know how to work through those issues mm -hmm. yeah no, I, I appreciate all of that uh all that input because that's definitely true where yeah, each individual is going to have their own, their own set of stuff, you know, either to like work through or for their perspectives or like how they, how they think, whatever they think is right or wrong, like what their own truths are, you know, and then, yeah, I think uh, I definitely expecting conflict to be part of um, any relationship, not that it has to be like a major part of it, you know, like, or the focus even of the relationship, but it, to, to know that it's going to happen, right? It's just natural. It's just how it's going to work. Like there's going to be a challenge or, or, it's, or it's some type of opposing view that comes up over something sometime and working through it is definitely, um, definitely the uh the trick right being able to knowing how to and like you said having the tools to to be able to do that so i'm curious like um what uh like for you and like your husband or like maybe what you like work with um your your clientele and the wives with like what what are some of the bigger tools that you might say um are <clears throat> are good to have in one's tool set for working through these conflicts that come up absolutely zach so i'm going to piggyback on something you just said and it's about conflict is going to happen. And part of, part of the problem is that we put our spouses on a pedestal as if they're never gonna make a mistake and that they're not gonna hurt our feelings. And part of the problem is because we put them on that pedestal, like they're just gonna be, you know, my knight in shining armor. They're gonna do all the things that I want them to do. And they're just gonna make me happy. And so part of that comes from our own mindset because we set ourselves up for that sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so what, what we have to do is we have to, um, you know, be in a position to forgive, like recognize that they're going to piss you off. They're going to hurt your feelings, not necessarily intentionally, right? Because a lot of it is just by mistake. They didn't realize it was going to bother you that way. You know, a lot of this is unintentional. But nevertheless, it hurts your feelings. And so you have to be in a position and posture to be ready to give grace and forgive. And when you're not willing to forgive, then you're not going to be in a successful relationship with anyone for that matter. And it doesn't matter, spouse, parent, with parents, with children, with coworkers, because people make mistakes. They make honest mistakes. 
And just quite naturally, they're not they're going to have a different perspective. So they may want to make a different decision than what you want to make. And so a lot of that comes from the mindset, Zach. And I really had to rewire my mind because, again, I um, I just really put that expectation on my spouse. And it was really an unrealistic expectation. You know, I like to call unrealistic expectations the foundation of frustration, right? Because <laughs> you're, you're frustrated with your spouse either because they did something that you didn't want them to do or they didn't do something that you wanted them to do. But either way, it created um, your expectations weren't met. And because your expectations weren't met, now you're sad. Now you're hurt. Now you're annoyed. Now you're bitter. Now you're frustrated. And that's when all those negative emotions kind of rise up in you. And so we have to be able to come from a place of forgiving, recognizing that they are going to make mistakes, as we will do. Right. And so we have to be we have to give that space and that grace and be be ready to forgive in those moments. Yeah, there was a lot there that that uh, that came up for me with uh, with that. It, it just made me think about like some of the things I've told my told my kids, especially I remember one time with my oldest son about um, expectations. I call expectations pathways to disappointment, you know, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> because uh, another thing that I came up with became aware of when I was reading this book awareness is that like you know we had as in relationships we typically do have these expectations we have these ideas of how the other person should should or shouldn't be the way that we would like them to be um Mm. these these expectations and like you like you were just saying like when they're not met that's when we feel those feelings we feel slighted or we feel like well why why didn't you show up this way or why did you show up that way um and really like just kind of taking ownership of that and realizing I'm the one that had that expectation and like I, I was wanting you to be a certain way. And so it goes to this idea of unconditional love. And it's kind of like, I mean, I had to do this even when I'm thinking about like my mom or like, you know, my ex-wife or like something like that, like, oh, I did have these expectations. And that was a, a selfish thing on my part of like being like, I, I wanted them to be a certain way, you know, like, and because I wanted them to be a certain way when they weren't, then I was disappointed. And I have to, I had to take ownership of like, dang, I like, I made my, I created that for myself because I had those expectations instead of just actually letting them be like who they are and accepting that. Now, not saying I can't have boundaries around that or like choosing if that's healthy or not for me, but at the same time, realizing that because I had those expectations, I created my own disappointment because I, it wasn't, wasn't their reality, you know, necessarily like, and I didn't, and too, like a lot of times we don't even express like our needs or our expectations, you know, in our relationships, which people aren't mind readers, you know, that's a two-way street. Like if you don't know what's not communicated, then yeah, you could definitely misstep and accidentally like hurt somebody's feelings or create a situation where you're like, I had no idea because that wasn't expressed to me in October of 2020, I realized, you know, like I got triggered by my partner and I spent four days doing an extreme deep dive into this. And I found something that was completely covered for decades. And I and explained what I had been doing in my relationships all along. And it had to do with that, where I had these unspoken expectations that I was inserting into like some of the agreements that I had, because I assumed that if we agreed on this other thing, it meant something else too. And, but that was never, that addition was never expressed. And when that 
when that condition, that unspoken condition was not met, then I would get triggered and be like, you, what, what the hell is going on? And then I realized I was never communicating that. And if I had those other women, like they would have never agreed to it. They would have been like, um, no. (laughs) And so I was like, holy shit, I've been doing this for decades. You know, it was a really big aha moment. So all of that to say, I I totally resonate with what you were going, what you were saying before. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I totally appreciate you saying that Zach. And I, and I appreciate your level of honesty in that, right. And recognizing some things that you did that kind of, you know, contributed to the situation. I think oftentimes, you know, we, Sometimes in relationships, we're so quick to, you know, point the finger, right? We're so quick to say, oh, it's them. It's not me. I got my stuff together. But literally, we sometimes we have to look inward to see what part did we play, right? And it's like, you know, it's like a play, right? Everybody has a a role. Everybody has a part. Everybody has something to contribute to the situation. And so um, we definitely need to do more looking inward or as I like to say, looking in the mirror to kind of see, okay, how could I have done that better to get a better outcome? What could I have done differently? Um, And sometimes we think that we don't have that power. And I like to remind, you know, your listeners, Zach, that you do have the power, right? You have way more power than you probably give yourself to do. And so one person can really change the vibe of things. And so don't necessarily always just look for the other person to do it, but there's a lot of power that you hold within that you can kind of shift the the direction of your relationship just by you taking a stance and doing things differently, right? And so I always like to encourage people, look look inward, what can you do? I always like to, to, I always say, help them help you, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Help them help you. So what do I need to do to help you help me? Yep. And I know, I know for sure, like, uh, like just from my first marriage, I know some people listening to that might be like, well, I don't, we're, depending on where they're at in the relationship, they might be like, I don't want to help, help that person help me. Like if they're kind of jaded or, or full of resentment, you know, because that stuff definitely comes up or builds up, can build up over time and just kind of be like, why? It's like the higher road and like it, it can be difficult to do sometimes when you when you don't feel like giving that to somebody that you felt has wronged you, right? And it's kind of like, well, I understand that perspective. And at the same time, it comes down to like, what do you really want? Do you want to like kind of revel and like say that you enjoy feeling that resentment? Or do you do you want to go down that path and go ahead and probably degrade and destroy the relationship? Or do you really want to have the relationship and just kind of like like find a way to I don't want to say swallow it but there's there's an acceptance piece right where it's just kind of like all right this is where we're at this is how I contributed and this is how I can yeah like start with yourself and be like okay how can I show up to get what I really want from this relationship and it since it is a relationship it's a you know there's two sides you know it's not going to be just all you um but where it starts I believe is definitely you know, within, like you said, like there's, that's the large piece of it. Yeah. Right. And I, there are two things I want to say to that, Zach. I, you, you make me think of two specific things I want to share with your listeners right now. Number one, the, when we have been wronged by someone in a relationship that we deeply care about and we deeply love, right? Um, and you feel like you have done all the things. You feel like I'm doing everything and they don't do anything. Sometimes I like to say is um, 
we have to come from a different place. I, it's, it's almost like the definition of, of insanity. If you keep doing the same thing over and over, you're going to keep getting the same results. So if you're going to get a different result, we got to try something different. And sometimes, and I know I used to do this a lot. I used to approach my spouse the same way. And in my mind, I kept thinking, oh, he's going to get it this time. Okay, he's got to get it this time. Like, okay, he didn't get it the last 20 times, but he's got to get it this time. And I used to find my husband in the same way. And really, the spaghetti didn't stick on the wall. So, Zach, I had to shift. And it was a hard pill, right? Because sometimes our egos get in the way. And I had to shift. And then when I changed, he changed. And I was like, well, by golly, I could have saved years of heartache and headache if I just would have just swallowed my pride and just gone ahead and did the thing so that I can ultimately get the outcome that I really desire, right? And I'll give you another example. My husband, I'm, I'm a romantic at heart. Like I'm just a sucker for all the things that's romantic. My husband is totally not. When we say, let's go to a movie, I'm going for the romantic movie. He's going, what has, what's loaded with sex or, or violence, right? He's, you know, he's that action packed kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And so I used to get upset because I'm like, okay, we, are we not going to do nice date night? Like wh- what can we do? And I used to become so angry with him and again, I'm just using this as one example to kind of put this in context, right? Because I have plenty of examples, but I'll just go with the simple one. And for so long, I would just be like, well, fine, I guess we're not going to go. I'm just going to wait and see when he's going to plan something. And guess what? I was mad. I was pissed. I was resentful. I was bitter because I was sitting there week after week after week after week after week waiting for him to plan some wonderful date for us. And that's just not his jam. And so I used to get angry and bottled and, and hold, internalize all those feelings. Like, how long is this going to last? I will, maybe this is going to be the week. I will, maybe this is going to be a week. And by golly, the week never dang on cake. And then what I did, Zach, is I said, I'm tired of sitting in this place. I'm tired of not going out. So I started planning date night. So I would come home and I'd be like, get dressed, be ready. We're leaving at seven. I would make the reservations. Now, did I really want to do that? Not really, because I wanted him to do it as, as to make me feel loved and appreciated. So I would have loved for him to do that. But the reality is that ain't the man I married. He has a lot of great things. Romantic is just not his strength, right? So I had to come to grips with that. And so at the end of the day, I had to realize what really is the outcome. And the outcome is I want to go out on date night. So, okay, I have to plan my own date night. But at least I'm out on date night, right? Instead of being at home with a pouty face, giving him attitude, giving him the side eye, you know, and all the things that come with that. And so sometimes in relationships, we have to really take a step back and say, okay, what is ultimately the outcome? If the outcome in that particular situation is, I want to go out on date night. Okay, yes, I would have loved for him to plan it, but that's just not my guy right? He has a lot of great strengths, but that's just not one of them. So I had to come to grips that, yes, guess what, Talisha? You have married an imperfect person. Voila, right? Because sometimes we need to be reminded of that, right? And so, okay, so I'll plan the date night. And so can I tell you, we've been married for 20 years, and guess when we go out on date night? When I plan it. (laughs) So it's not the ideal situation, but I had to take a step back and say, what is the outcome that I'm going for? And the outcome is I want to go on date night. So if that means, babe, get ready on Saturday. I made plans. We're going here. We're going there. Get dressed. And then guess what? He has nothing to say. He's like, all right, bet. Let's go. He's excited. I'm like, yeah. 
but mm-hmm. ultimately I got my, my outcome. And so we just may sometimes need to make those shifts and realize that it might not be, it might not come to us in the way in which we want it, but what is the greater outcome in all of that? Because that's what really matters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's that's true. I can appreciate that. I am gonna. I I just feel called to like speak to something as you were speaking that because I w- I was listening to the, to the language that you were using um, about describing that particular scenario, and I've seen this um, in my and uh, in, in a lot of in a lot of other like with a lot of other couples um, and things like this too. And I've interviewed somebody else where this was a thing, you know, like about, about the, the woman in the relationship, the wife um, doing right. And in, in this particular example with you, you've, you were like, I've got a planned date night. Was it, would, would I prefer to do that? No, I would like for him to do it. However, this is what I want. So I am going to do it, you know, this kind of a thing. And you're getting the outcome that you want, even though, like you said, uh, it's not the ideal way that you wanted it because you'd rather he do it. So the thing that that it brought up for me um, that I want to speak to is like the, because uh, this is something that I enjoy learning and speaking about is about the masculine and feminine energy piece, right? And, and we all embody these energies. You, we both have masculine and feminine energy within inside of us, right? So the doing part is the masculine thing, right? Like to be focused, to plan, to execute, to like go out and do, take action. That's a masculine trait. And so when I'm listening to you, what I'm hearing is like, you'll take on that masculine role. You're totally capable of doing it as every woman that I've ever run into is absolutely capable of taking on a masculine energy. However, it's not your preference because when you when you when you want to go on a date night, you want to be in your feminine. You'd like somebody else to have taken the action to plan that out. You just want to be. You just want to go out and be on the date. You want to just kind of relax into your feminine and like not have to worry about the plan. Like where are we going? What are we seeing? Like you want things, you want the stuff that you want to do and experience to be taken into consideration. You just don't want to have to craft and plan the whole thing. You would just be like, hey, like, babe, like, this is what I like. These are the movies I like to see. Here's the food I like to eat. You already know that crap about me. Plan it, take me out, just let me be there, you know, right? Uh, that would might be more in alignment with your ideal type of outcome. Like if we were to talk about ideals, is that is that accurate? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I just like to call that out too for my listeners as well, because in a a couple episodes like previous to this uh there was a woman who had the same thing where for her her situation was uh, it was an annual talk like about where they're going to go for um you know the holidays and she'd have to make the plans she would have to do that and then take it to her husband and he might poke holes in the plan and she'd have to go back and redo it and all of that and i posed the same thing to her i was like so if your husband showed up and like he just took care of that knew everything all the considerations that you wanted but he planned it and then came to you with it, she was like, it wouldn't even be a conversation. She's like, we would just talk. She's like, I'd sign off on it. We would just do it. So that to me is a way to reduce conflict as well. Like you said, like sitting there giving him the side eye and, you know, kind of like pouting and doing the silent, maybe passive aggressive type of stuff. Not really like a fight, but still like it's a, it's a mild form of conflict, right? There's the tension there, even if it's unspoken. Um, So I just like to call that out for any males that are listening, any guys that are listening that like, this is a way to reduce conflict that a guy can take on to step more into the masculine, you know, because I think a lot of us guys, 
um, are actually just modeled to be in our feminine way more than we care to admit, like, you know, because they don't, we don't understand what these expressions look like, you know, uh, but being passive and just kind of like letting the wife do everything like that's a very feminine thing, you know, like I totally did that in my previous marriage, I know exactly what this looks like, you know, and it's easy. It's totally easy guys are like yeah like I don't have to do anything be like yeah the thing is that when you don't do anything and your wife's doing a lot of the doing there's not this polarity like I would imagine we'll just kind of game this out real quick so let's what would it look like in your marriage if your husband were to take that role and like do that for you what would that night look like for you and how would you respond to that if your husband were to plan and like take you out on the kind of date that you knew that you wanted to be taken out on well, Zach, I'm going to keep this PG, but he would get the nookie, right? See like... what I'm saying? <laughs> thank, thank you for going there because that's exactly what I'm talking about. That's what I like to appeal to guys with because like, you know, guys don't like the idea of like being coached or therapy or all that kind of stuff. All those words that guys have aversion to. So I lead with sex because like, let's just be honest, right? Like that's it's, the guys mentioned, yeah, like who doesn't want to have sex? Even your partner wants to have sex, right? So like you said right there, if the man showed up in that way and took care of it, just did it it's not just going to be normal type of sex. It's like, I, I heard like you led with that. You're like, he's going to get it. Like he's going to, oh, he's, he's going to get better quality sex. Right. Oh, yes, so yes, I just yes. like to call that out because there is these principles at play of the masculine and feminine. And I was just listening to the words you were using. And I'm like, I know, like if I were to talk to your husband, I'd be like, look, like here's either very simple thing. Just even if you did this, you will pay off in dividends. And it's not a form of manipulation. It's just strictly how the energies work. You know, like I say the principles because again, I like to appeal to the to the men and it's just like two plus two equals four. That's a mathematical principle. Like, and you weren't aware of that principle until somebody made you aware of it. So that's, I just like to talk about these energies that way because um, I like to really try to get into the minds of men because I want them to have less conflict within their relationship, but at the same time, I want their partners to experience a better quality relationship and everybody's going to have better quality sex. Like there's going to be less conflict, like all, everything that you talk about with the DNA of the happy wife. Cause I'm like, I'm on the flip side and where I'm like, Hey guys, like, here's how you can show up and it's just be more in your masculine. You know, you just have to do something and it's not even that difficult you know it's not like a honeydew list it's not like she's coming with you with like hey like oh god it's another thing she's asking me to do it's like well you know if you were to do that and just show up that way like to me it's a self-perpetuating engine like once that gets going i'm like where can i get more of that because like if i were your husband and you were like he he'd be getting it that energy i would be like Talisha, where can, what else, where else can I show up? Where else can I show up? Because I want more of that. You know, I said the same thing to Emily when I was interviewing her. I was like, Emily, I am not your husband, but if I were, I'd be like, where can I get that? Because I could just feel her body you know, like relax and open. And she was just kind of like, that would be really cool. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I, I love that analogy. And, and you're so right. And I, you know, and 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 I would even say sometimes for women. You know, you talk about the doing, but sometimes is even if you just ask, mm. babe, how can I support you? Mm. Babe, anything you need from me? Sometimes, even if the answer, even if she says no, she is elated over the fact that you even thought enough to even ask the question. And so sometimes, you know, forget the doing. Let's just start with the ask. Mm. Because again, that would just move a lot of women to be like, oh, he thought about me. He cares. Like he's willing to try. 
And for some women, that's all that's needed to kind of lift the tension in the air, you know, because a lot of times, you know, that conflict, you know, you, you could either be in a stone cold silent treatment or you could be in a heated argument, right? And so whichever way you're in, you know, a lot of that tension can be alleviated just by doing some of those really simple steps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I view that as like being present, you know, like being present with your partner, you know, just being like, Hey, so, you know, what, what's going on or like, um, just, just allowing the space, you know, like you said to like, that's for me with that, in that example that you gave, that's the masculine inviting the feminine to just kind of open up and being like, Hey, like, I'm going to invite you like to tell me, like, just open up. And if, if you, if you feel like opening up, like, how can I help you? Or like, what, what's going on with like you, like your being, like your essence, you know, there was another conversation I had with, with one of my other guests that where her husband wanted to know how did your day go at work? Like, what did she do? And she's like, I don't want to talk about that. And I was like, yeah, probably because you're doing all the time at work and you just want to get connected with how are you, Melissa? Like, how are you doing? How, like you're being, so it's the being that's doing the doing, you know, like we're done talking about what I did. What about the thing before that, you know, like that's what we want to connect with. And I think even men want that at some level, if they're going to be honest with themselves, they would like their partner to like know how they are doing, even though we're probably less likely or, or, or wanting to open up that way. Cause that makes us vulnerable, you know, and like men have a thing about being vulnerable, um, you know, and again, I just, how we're just modeled in the society and culture, like really to me plays a large role in this, but like when we're going to get serious and intimate and like to have a confidant or to be open about how these things play out in relationships, that vulnerability piece is, is absolutely key. We just need to be able to be, feel safe. It really it just really comes down on both sides of the equation about feeling safe with each other to be at that level, you know, to, to let those things come out, you know? Yeah. No, I absolutely agree with you. You know, one of the things I, I say is that what couples, you know, sometimes go wrong is that they're having, okay, so let me, let me back up. So you know how Everyone has heard, you know, the difference between spending time together and spending quality time together, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So people understand that from that perspective. But I also say you need to have quality conversations. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is oftentimes with couples, they have what I call transactional talk. And where most of your conversations are about your space, meaning your house is space, kids, and bills, mm -hmm. Right. And so sometimes when you're talking about the space, the kids and the bills, you're thinking that, okay, well, we're talking, we're engaging, but that's to handle the business of the house, the business of the kids, the business of the, of the bills, and you haven't connected with each other, right? Going back to your point, Zach, how am I? How am I feeling? Don't ask me about, have I done the dishes? Have I taken Billy to a soccer practice? Have I done those things, Right. And so sometimes with couples, we get it twisted because we think, oh, well, we're talking to each other. We're not quiet. Yeah, but if all of your conversations are transactional talks, you're not having quality conversation. And so that can honestly be a blind spot in your marriage because you think and everything is okay because, you know, we're talking. But if you're not engaging with each other about each other, then that means you're not going closer. And one thing that I say, Zach, all the time is that in marriage, there is no standing still in marriage. You're either growing together 
or you're growing apart. There is no middle ground, right? And so we have to make sure that we are connecting with each other because the transactional talks is not helping us grow together, right? That's for handling the business. But when we're talking about our relationship and having a thriving marriage, we have to be connected to each other. And that's one of the things, those one of the, the ruts that my husband and I got in. And it's what I call being glorified roommates, right? We're sharing space kids and bills, but we really had a marriage that was really an empty shell. There was no emotional connection. Yep, we were sleeping beside each other every night, but there was no emotional connection. And so sometimes we, we think, well, my, me and my spouse, we're coming home every night. Okay, well, you know, I asked him, you know, what he wants for dinner and he answered. And you thinking, you know, we're, we're, we're okay. But I say, okay, is not good enough for marriage, right? If you don't want to look up, you know, a year from now, I'm like, who the heck are you? Like, I don't even know who you are, right? It, does, no, it comes to no surprise to me that once the kids leave, and especially when you become empty nesters, you're like, I don't even know you because you haven't taken the time to really get to know one another because your focus has been on the space, the kids, and the bills. And so we have to make sure that we balance our talks out that when we're, because all the transactional talks, don't get me wrong, they need to happen, right? We need to take care of the space, the kids and the bills, but we also can't forget that we have to take care of each other. We have to learn one another. We have to ask each other questions because the person that we married three years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, is not the person today. We're always evolving. We're always maturing. And so we want to make sure that we take our spouses along on that journey. For sure. Yeah, there's a couple of things that reminds me uh, with that with that point. I couldn't agree more with that. So like one is um, that uh, a lot of people, I forget who said it or where I heard it from. Um, so this isn't my, isn't my thought, but a lot of, a lot of people view marriage as like a finish line, right? Like, ah, like I reached the goal. Like, you know, I'm, I'm marrying this person and it's kind of like, yeah, it's not, it's not an end goal. Like that's actually like this, it's, it's another starting line, you know, like you're starting the marriage, like you're not finishing anything. Like you're starting like another, like a different kind of relationship, a deeper kind of relationship. And then the other part is that it reminds me of like, yeah, never stop dating your wife, you know, like, or your husband. And like, I know in the beginning of relationships, like that's, I think part of the reason it's so fun and exciting, right? Because we're learning something new and we're open. We're, we, know, we know that innately about the beginning of any new relationship is that it's like, it's new. And so the, we have to be open to learn, right? Like, because it's new and it's exciting because we put ourselves in that state. The thing is though, um, as I'm sure you're aware, like after a period of time, like we just, we normalize the relationship where we're just kind of like, oh, I already know this person, you know? And like, and the changes, don't necessarily happen at like such a big level, you know, so we just kind of like, don't, we, we, we lose the passion to learn about our partner and to connect that way, you know, where really we always have to have that. Otherwise I agree. Like it just becomes very transactional, you know, like, uh, um, I mean, that happened in my, in my previous marriage too, you know, like where it was just kind of like, there really wasn't a lot of depth in the, in the, in that sense, you know, and even if we did, it was philosophically, it did become apparent that we were also on just different growth paths, you know, mm -hmm. that, that will happen. Uh, but the transactional piece was, was obviously there. And I think that does happen for a lot of people because they, they stop being curious about their partner. Yeah. They absolutely stop becoming curious. And I, and I would say part of that 
Zach is like, they feel like, oh, I'm, we're high school sweethearts. We've been married for 10 years. And you sometimes get into this, this uh, mode of thinking, I already know everything about them, right? I've already, I already know that. I already know that. And that's where we kind of get really tripped up because the reality is that they are still reading every day. They're still learning. They're still being influenced by people at work, influenced by family members, and their perspectives are changing. And so we can't expect that the person that we married um, 10 years ago is the same person today. And quite honestly, we, they shouldn't be, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're all growing, evolving, maturing. Um, and so we need to make sure that we're constantly trying to get to know this new person that we have and, and not settle for, oh, I know them. We've been together. You know, we've been married for 10 years. We've been together for 10 years. We, we, we're good. I know everything there is to know. And I say that that's really a big mistake that a lot of people make. You cannot become um, complacent in your marriage, right? And so sometimes complacency sets in because you think that you know them, but you should always stay um, asking questions. And I, w- I also like to remind my wives, sometimes ask about the future. Mm-hmm. Because when you ask about the future, now you're, you're starting to imagine your lives together. So babe, what's your dream car? Babe, what do you want in our next house? What do you think we should get in our next house? What would be a state you think we should move to? Even if those things don't happen, those types of open-ended questions allow you to see what they're thinking. And that generates questions. That generates like, um, it generates the curiosity once you open up that, that can, right? But it also gives you a perspective like, oh, I would have never guessed you would have said that. And so now you're learning and now here comes the excitement again because you just learned something brand spanking new just because you asked the question. And so sometimes I say, you know, like think about the future you know, ask those questions and get those perspectives. Because again, it it allows you to dream together, which is exciting. And it gets you thinking about what's next for us, right? Because we're not going to stay in the same spot, right? And we want to grow together. So help me understand that. I've I've been, um, unfortunately, I've worked with some couples who were going through some trust issues from infidelity. And you would be amazed at how the number of the husbands will say, well, you know, she doesn't take interest in what I like. And I, and I would say, okay, well, what do you like? And they say, well, I like tennis. And the wife looks like she's never heard it before. And, you know, my next question is, well, why don't you all know that? Well, every time I try to talk to her, she's busy. She's doing this. She, she acts like she doesn't want to know or, or, you know, or he, oh, she'll say, well, gosh, you never told me that, you know? And so it's, it's the little things. And so sometimes we think, you know, um, oh, those just little things but it's really the little things that matter just as much as the big things Mm -hmm. and so it's always saying and and being curious about each other babe what are you thinking have you ever gone to a a music concert like this have you ever listened to this type of music have you ever thought about you know skydiving like just start to open up those conversations because again it allows you all to connect dream and it may actually give you all create new memories when you actually do the things that you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love love all of that it's about thinking about the future and, and open ended questions and and staying curious and yeah, the little things are definitely to me the, the little things are the big things because that's what why we have the saying death by a thousand paper cuts, right? It's usually never the big thing that like. Mm-hmm 
crushes it, right? It's always the last, the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak, right? It's the last, it's like the last, damn it, like, I'm just done with this. It, it's something small. You're like, but that's the last fucking thing I'm going to deal with, you know? <laughs> that was the straw, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, those things are, it's, it is, it is a big deal and it's easy because they are framed in that way in our minds of being small. It's easy to write them off. It's easy to be like, uh, it's inconsequential when in reality, it's like a drop of rain, but like you get a million drops of rain and you'll have a flood. Like, you know, like it's, it's the little things that count for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, I just, my goal in my mission really is just for people to not reside in a blind marriage. Um, you know, yes, we're going to have pockets of up and down, right? Married life is full of ups and downs. But the key is if you prepare and build your love kit, your toolkit, right? I call it, I like to call it the love kit. Mm -hmm. If you, if you get those strategies, you're much more and much more prepared for when those dark days come, right? Because there, you know, life throws a monkey wrench in it all the time, right? Who would have ever thought we would have been in the middle of a, a global pandemic, right? right? And so now you have to look at your spouse all day and you're like, oh my gosh, like, I love you, right? You're like, oh, okay. Because you're used to having that separation. You're used to missing each other. But then when you're around each other all the time, that changes things. And so if this pandemic hasn't taught us anything, it's like we have to be prepared for whatever life may throw our way. And the more that we've done work on the preventative side, the more stuff that we've done of being proactive, then when those, when those sticky situations come, you're so much better to handle it, right? You can, you can recalibrate and get back to normal and get things back on track a lot quicker when you put the work in. And that's what it's about because I don't believe it's too many people that are married and they're just not happy. They're literally just coexisting like roommates, right? And I say, don't be roommates, be love mates. And so when you find yourself just like, ah, this is the best it's going to get, Ugh, like whatever, you know? And I'm like, no, don't be like that. Like that really hurts me to my core, which is why I got into this business because again, people didn't talk about it. And so you just, people just give up and be like, ah, it is what it is and just kind of move on. And I'm like, no, you can't have a happy marriage. Like you can really be happy. So let's do what we can so that we can get to that space so that you're not just coexisting like roommates, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I definitely have lived through that. So I can appreciate that where it's just like, yeah, is this as good as it's going to get? It's transactional, it's roommates, you know, and it's just kind of like, uh-huh yeah and no no i don't want anybody to live like that either like you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah it's not good for your emotional mental physical psychological like all of those things it's just not good to to coexist in a place where like it's just like whatever no let's yeah. have a thriving marriage and i you know and so my goal is to give hope back to people let them know that all is not lost let them know that a better day is coming. And so we just need to, to learn those strategies. And I think we're not fair to each other. I think it's really unfair to really expect that we can coexist with someone for a decade and not, you know what I'm saying? And not, mm -hmm. not have those stumbling blocks. And I think we set ourselves up for failure. And I'm like, no, it's okay, right? Just get the help that you need. 
but we can't we can't think that we're just we've married the love of our lives and everything is just going to be hunky-dory all the time right there's going to be a period um i remember sharing with his wife his wife was like i don't know i think she was married maybe like seven years and she was like but talisha two of them are hard and i'm like okay i know two years sounds like a lot but if you're going to be married to somebody for 50 plus years, it's two years really, you know, like, can we put, let's put some context around it, right? Mm-hmm. So yes, you may hit those phases that really like knock you off the wall, right? Where, you know, you have to deal with a death of a parent that changes the dynamics of relationship, right? Or you have a kid who's not doing what they want to do and you're trying to do how you all want to discipline the kid may be different, Right. Or just maybe you're having financial woes and you're not in agreement with, you know, how you're going to build savings or how, what debt you're going to pay off or whatever the case may be. Like those are going to come, but we have to be able to say, okay, how are we going to get through? And it doesn't matter who created the problem. In reality, it doesn't matter who created the problem. But if you have a mindset of we together, we're going to sit here and problem solve to fix this thing, then you are going to be a-okay, right? As long as we can say we are a team, all right? Like, okay, let's let's figure out how we're going to move forward from this. And when you when you can get that attitude, then you're, you're you know, what's, what's the saying they used to say when you used to school? Your, your attitude determines your altitude, right? right? Yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. same kind of notion, right? If we have a, a bad attitude about our marriage, then our marriage is going to be bad. So we have to have a great outlook about our marriage, even when sometimes it doesn't seem like what in the world, what about, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Right. But then just recognize that, you know what, this is just a phase. We're going to get to it through it together. How can we problem solve and get through this conflict together? I love that. Yeah. That reminds me of like, uh, again, I don't remember where I ran across this, but I just have always loved this idea ever since I saw it, it was, um, you know, it's never, it's never you and your partner against each other. It's always you and your partner against the conflict, right? You know, and I'm like, that's that's so true. Like if you truly value your relationship, it's never you versus the other person. And that's that's something I think we all, all get into pretty easily where it's just kind of like, oh, it's their fault or like whatever, like we're feeling attacked or like, and we, and we're, we're, we're making it very personal and all of a sudden it's a us versus them type of mentality where it's like, no, 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 like, because then that's, that's putting you versus them. And now you're, now your relationship is in question. Right. And because now you're attacking each other and it's like, it's not that it's you and your partner versus the issue versus the situation. What's going on between you is an expression of like what's happening. Like that's the situation's bringing that out in you, in the both of you. But if you give a damn about that relationship, it is not you versus your partner. It's you against the challenge. Yeah, it's the two of you against the challenge. Yeah. It's us against that thing, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to be here together, mm-hmm. a united front, um, and we're going to fight for our marriage, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to fight to get over it. Um, and when you do that, that actually, when, when you do that, not only do you solve that thing, but you've gotten a stronger bond in the process, right? Mm-hmm. Now you realize, okay, we did that. Wow, okay, we overcame that. Now it gives you hope for when that next dark day comes that you guys can resolve it um, in, a, in a great way. And you may be able to recover a lot quicker, right? Because sometimes mm-hmm. we hit those challenges and we resolve it, but there's still a little tension in the air. There's still a little, 
Like, mm-hmm. it's just not, the chemistry is just still a little bit off, right? We can't necessarily put our finger on it, but we just know things are not back to the way it used to be. Mm-hmm. And so I'm all about helping people recover a lot quicker. Like, let's get things back on track a lot quicker because mm-hmm. that's what it's about. I don't want you to stay out there on that island of, of um, you know, where it's just the chemistry is off. You can't see eye to eye, like two ships passing in the night, like, mm-hmm. Whoop, whoop. No, we, let's let's sit down, let's reflect, and let's um, do what we can to kind of come together, um, problem solve together, and work through that thing. Um, and we're going to stay as a united front in doing so. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you, Talisha. I'm going to probably go ahead and um, give you, you know, give you time to speak about like, how people can can reach you and work with you because I think this is fascinating stuff. I love it. I could keep talking to you for a long time. <laughs> Zach, let me tell you, I have enjoyed this conversation and I hope your listeners enjoyed it as much as I've had just having this, you know, this powwow with you. Um, we definitely have a lot in common. We can so relate um, to what, what what we're saying. And so I will, I would love to be able to do this again with you in the future. Sure. Um, how you can get in contact with me. I do have um, on, on Instagram, I'm at lovers bond because again, Zach, I'm all about lovers bonding together. Mm-hmm. So you can find me on clubhouse at lovers bond. You can find me on Instagram at lovers bond. You can find me on Facebook as lovers bond. So on all three platforms, and I do have a private group because remember, I'm all about creating that judgment-free safe space for women. And so I have a, a, a Facebook group, a free private Facebook group called Wives Helping Wives with Talisha Delmar. And so if they want to come in to be around other like-minded wives who really want to be empowered, supported, and encouraged in their role as a wife, I definitely invite your listeners to join that as well. And I do have, at the time of this um of this airing, I actually will be doing my wives only event. Um, I love to do a full day wives only event um, twice a year. Um, and so we invite um, women and actually because of the pandemic, I've moved it to be virtual um, so that anyone in the world can attend, but it's all about fueling. Um, women. I'm all about wife empowerment, right? I wanna empower you in your role as a wife. I want you to have confidence in your role as a wife. I want you to excel in your role. And I always say that, you know, it's going back to what we said earlier, Zach, about, you know, one person can really change the vibe of a relationship, right? Even if we're married to someone who's stubborn, someone who just won't bend, um, not that you can make your spouse change, but you can certainly have a level of influence. And I like to teach wives, how can you use your influence to get the outcome that you're really looking for? And so I have this all day event where I like to feed into the wives for wife empowerment. So I would love for any of your listeners, if they're, if they're so desire to be a part of that initiative. Awesome. Well, that sounds fantastic. I love it. I love your, I love your work and your goals and your mission. So thank you, Talisha. Thank you. Thank you, Zach. I so appreciate it. I have fun. This is great. Thank you. I did as well. All right. That wraps up today's episode of The Real Zach Olinger. Thanks again for listening. If you happen to find this episode insightful or valuable, I invite you to pass it along to somebody else because chances are, if you found it valuable, they will too. If you're on Instagram, you can find me at The Real Zach Olinger. Until next time, everybody. Thanks for listening.